ho, ho, ho. Friends, shopping malls, manger scenes, Santa Claus, red and green, Emmanuel, Ebenezer, stockings hung, Advent is a Christmas teaser. <laughs> it's the Eco Christian Podcast. We're having fun and exploring what it means to be Christian on planet Earth. I'm Caleb. I'll be your host. This is a special episode because my wife, Emily, is joining me in the effort of addressing some difficult questions around being ecologically minded during what is known to be the most consumer-driven time of the year, and also, of course, the celebration of the birth of our Savior. So let's talk about what it means to be Christians celebrating Christmas on planet Earth. Hello. Today, friends, is the most special because I'm here with my one and only person, my wife, Emily. Say hello. Hello. (laughs) She is a wife, a mother, a pastor, writer, and most recently working to help turn guns into garden tools, which is really exciting. Um, But today, we're here to dialogue about this season we are in right now and for some this season goes by the name of the chaotic weeks leading up to christmas um others of us name this season as advent but the reality is living where we live in the world we have some feet uh feet of both worlds uh, whether we like it or not perhaps so uh today friends we're going to tackle The tough questions when it comes to what it might look like to responsibly participate or not participate in the culture of quote-unquote American Christmas uh, presented to us, particularly as it stands in contrast maybe to our other values, say, caring for the earth. So, yeah. So before we get into that, um, Emily, since some of these people might not know how awesome you are uh if you would like to share a bit about your eco journey um and how we met i'm just kidding we don't share that but um just details that are pertinent uh yeah i'd love for listeners to hear a bit maybe about your own eco journey um and we can sort of springboard from there okay uh, hi, everyone. I am Emily Joanne Haynes, and I am married to Caleb, the host of this podcast. And I was trying to think about my eco-Christian journey, which I guess is another way to say, tell us a little bit about who you are and why you care about this. And... The first thought that I had was that I really didn't grow up in the country. I grew up in urban environments and um, spent some time in nature, I suppose, playing soccer and things. But uh, that certainly wasn't the beginning. And there wasn't any connection to creation care within like the church context um, that I was raised in as a pastor's kid. Um, So... For me, I think probably the first kind of like, what, this can be a thing, was um, when I was in high school, I had a friend who I was over at her house one day and we were trying to cook something. And uh, she was like, 
run out there to the garden and grab some basil for this recipe. And I was like, run out to the garden. I mean, it was like, it was like speaking a foreign language to me, like as a high senior in high school. And she was like, yeah, we're growing basil in the garden. And I was like, look, I see your garden, but there is no way like that I'm going to be able to identify an herb that is growing there. So she did it herself and we went on, finished cooking whatever we were cooking. Um, and then uh, fast forward about year and a half, two years, uh, what would have been my sophomore year at college, I uh, moved to Germany to do like a mission core thing with the Church of the Nazarene and spent a year volunteering there uh, on the mission field in Germany. And um, in Germany, um, the way you do trash is very different than the way they do trash in Germany. And there's like six bins in Germany and they're all very specific and uh, required. Um, so there is trash and there is recycling but there's also composting. There's also glass. The recycling is Wrist split. Yeah, it's yeah. split between paper and plastic. You have to separate everything out. And it became one of the biggest headaches uh, living there was having American groups come over and having to teach them how to throw their trash away because they were just so bad at it. Mm, ironically, I feel like Americans are great at that. You know, like throwing trash away. Well, that's a bad joke. They, <laughs> yeah, they did it. They were so, it was like, it was like a brain block. Not only were they in another country, they were just, it was like, it was like I was speaking German to them to try to get them to understand like how to. See what you did there. Throw away trash in a way that actually was required. Mm. And they would not pick up your trash if you did not do it this way. Or so I was led to believe. I'm not 100% sure on that. But Germans are world followers for a, for a. And a general rule of thumb. But. So yeah, so the, there's that. And then when I came back from Germany after a year, you know, joined the Environmental Sustainability Association at Trevecca, which was a club uh, that you were also a part of. Um, yeah, we had a club. We had a you know environmental you're, club. You know you're doing the work of uh, environmental justice in the world when you're part of a club. Yeah. It was really great. Well, part the good part of that club was that we were actually given a chapel. So I don't know if all clubs were given chapels or they were just like, you guys are cute. We're going to let you have a chapel. And so we got to recruit our own chapel speaker at this club. And I had listened to this podcast with Matthew Sleeth, um, who wrote a book called Serve God, Save the Planet, and had read that book. And... He was kind of one of the first voices on like what it for me and what it means to be a Christian and to care for the earth as a way of caring for others so that his work is closely tied to like illness and how environmental factors affect illness. So um, we got him to come speak at Trebek as a part of this club's work. And I would say those are kind of the beginning first few steps. And then it's just kind of I don't do anything um half assed so we can't we can't say that <laughs> i don't do anything what did i say on something half butted oh uh, you were in there i don't do anything halfway you can edit mm -hmm. all that out if you want let's get a thing to say uh, that's what i love about you <laughs> uh and most of us are terrified of 
So yeah, so um, right, right on. <laughs> so which brings you to a hundred percent caring for creation. That's right. I've always been a hundred percent at anything. Hundred percent. <laughs> right. That's right. Yeah. Love it. Percent and three fire emojis. There it is. Which made me title of this episode. So, um, <laughs> being ecologically aware during what is known to be the holiday season is no small task. So, you know, I was thinking about approaching this subject and how it's just layered with issues. And there's the social pressure of participating in the dirty Santa at work, uh, you know, or the in-laws who are expecting a gift but aren't really going to like anything that you give them, or the children who through literally every single piece of holiday media expect to wake up on Christmas morning with a stack of freshly wrapped presents. You know, there's, um, you know, then there is attempting to actually participate uh, in the season of Advent, right? If you're living into your Christian calendar, uh, which is meant to be a season akin to that of Lent, right? The season of waiting and fasting and anticipating the coming of Jesus born in Bethlehem. Uh, but how do we possibly be present to such an experience inside a culture that starts playing Christmas music and popping up Christmas trees, right? Uh, at some point mid November. And, you know, there's, so there's just so many things that so many starting places and things we could talk about here, but, uh, maybe a good place to start is, you know, um, sharing some of the particulars around what the season of Advent or Christmas looks like for our little family and maybe hopefully particularizing it like that will help pull out some threads that can be beneficial, hopefully for anyone listening. So, yeah. So I think just uh, an acknowledgement at the front end that it's hard to, to sort of, well, one, maybe even ironically be Christian during the holidays, uh, in, in to some degree, but two, like to be ecologically minded in particular. Um, and so I think this, cir this circling, these questions are sort of circling around us here and how do we navigate uh, this season as Westerners, quote unquote, in a particular place, trying to stay grounded in what matters for us. Yeah. So like in just preparing as a pastor for preaching the season of Advent, I am sort of like theologically up on my game into talking about this idea of um, just like what Advent is and what Advent is not. And I think that if we tap in only to the cultural realities surrounding us around this, these days, prepping us for the Christmas season, we get the total wrong picture about what Advent is supposed to be about. And um, get as if God ordained this season in order to um, put up Christmas trees and uh, bake sugar cookies or something like that. Like, um, I think God likes sugar cookies. Well, Santa does, and we often do complete those two at Christmas. So was that what, oh, what, man. the radio last night? Yeah. It was like uh, there, it was like the, you know, the radio station in our locality that plays Christmas music starting the, uh, the day after Thanksgiving all the time. So it's like the popular station. And it was that station we were listening to. And and there was like this ad, it was like the, what's the host of the radio show called? Radio host. 
Okay, radio. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no. They were saying every Christmas Eve we go to church, and that's when Santa comes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, verbatim. Yeah, it was like, was there a period there, or <laughs> next sentence? Did Santa come to church, or was it like we go to church and then like later that night Santa comes to the house? But it was just so conflated. It was really funny, mm-hmm. um, in light of like trying to focus not on Santa Claus, which ironically, we're recording this podcast on St. Nicholas Day, uh, the feast day of St. Nicholas, who is a Christian, uh, who's a Christian and a saint in the church, um, who is someone that we remember this time of year for his generosity and his care for the poor and the way that he helped people. And there are a lot of legends about him. Some of them probably have some truth in them, but would you say that you know Saint Nicholas and his legends and and all that sort of comes with sort of what we think we know about his life is some of the foundation to to the reason why people give gifts on Christmas? Uh, yes, I mean he. I mean one of the more known legends is that there were these three girls in this family. He was three, and they couldn't the family couldn't afford dowries for their girls. And so he, you know, in that time, that would have left them sort of destitute to not be married, to live a life of poverty and to not have a future. And he basically, the the legend goes that he threw gold coins um, that would be enough for their dowry through the window on Christmas Eve as a way to provide for them for their future. Um, and there's some legends that say they landed in their socks that were drying on the windows. <laughs> Bro was a good shot. <laughs> yeah, she knows. Um, but certainly the stocking, the the stocking uh, stuffing, I think we can probably draw a more direct line. Uh, but, the, you know, different cultures have celebrated St. Nicholas in different ways. And so the tradition kind of spreads through culture. And mm. I think in reality, the reasons we give gifts on Christmas is because um, capitalism is what we worship. So, wow, you're we can't say that either on this podcast. <laughs> well, um, so can I? Can I like? Can I take over the podcast for everybody? That's why you're here. Uh, okay, so not if you're driving, but if you're listening to this and you're not driving, can you just like close your eyes for a minute and? I just want you to imagine something, to picture something. I want you to picture um, just a really great uh, worship service and just this great um, gathering of people who have come together to worship God. And I want you to imagine what it looks like in the space they're meeting, what the people are doing. I want you to imagine the parking lot. What does the parking lot look like? I want you to imagine what are people thinking? What are people feeling? And I want you to imagine where is God in all of that? What is God thinking, feeling, doing, being? And then finally, What is the hope there? What hope springs from 
people coming together to worship God. Hopefully you've been able to picture some sort of version of that. And now I want to put you in another space. In your mind's eye, imagine a shopping mall in the month of December. Even better if it's like the 20th, 21st, 22nd, 23rd of December. And I want you to imagine this great gathering. What are the people doing? What are the people feeling? What does the parking lot look like? What, where is God? What is God feeling? What is God feeling? And then finally, what is the hope that springs from this gathering? Okay, that's that's all I got. Mm. That's my that's advent meditation. Snap my on, fingers on on uh, the worship mm. of stuff. Yeah, man i I think you've gone straight to it because I think worship is, you know, I mean, I think if we're honest, it's a word that is entangled uh, in what we do around the holidays and you know i mean you, you if you look at the numbers um you know around waste and consumerism and all that around the holidays like it's it's staggering and uh and so and i i hesitate to say this but it's kind of like what it's why we're talking you know i, I do think that i thought like i was talking to somebody yesterday about this actually that i think i, I wonder sometimes if the true golden calf for us during the age that we live in isn't like um, the way we want to do Christmas. And, um, you know, you start like suggesting to, to folks that like maybe they should do Christmas differently and you better watch out. Like, Yeah, because you know what the cultural expectation is? Have yourself a merry little Christmas. Oh, <laughs> Everyone, everyone's gonna think we're like a couple of Grinches here, like, and we might be. It's like very individualistic, and the wish is that I am wishing you to have yourself, because it's up to you, a merry little Christmas. Hmm. And so much is in that, like so much about me and my, what makes me merry, hmm. and my Christmas. Well, so I think here's what's going on. I think if we're gonna peel back another kind of layer that we're already peeling back here is that um I'm I'm gonna try to turn this into a you know maybe a little, little bit more of a concrete example but um you know think about think about there being two different Christmases like there's like this one thing over here that we culturally call and globally call Christmas and it has to do with having yourself a merry little Christmas and all the things that come with that, and uh, you know, elf, and uh, <laughs> yeah, no, all, all the things. 
And then there's this other thing over here that we also call Christmas um, that follows a season uh, called Advent um, that is particularly uh, Christian, right? Uh, and so, you know, I almost think that uh, and so what we usually experience, kind of like you were talking about in that radio commercial, is a syncretism between those two Christmases. And that's for us, I think, what we're talking about as Christians, particularly as people who are particularly trying to uh, be mindful of how we uh, walk upon the earth, are um, navigating and finding that tension and the questions, the the questions and the reasons why this is an interesting thing to dialogue about is all the tensions that exist between those two identities for us. One, as someone who has a lot of fond memories uh, that often do get romanticized, right, and Americanized around these versions of Christmas, right, and there's a part of us that wants to keep that alive and we want our kids to experience that. And, um, you know, and so, and we're thinking like, you know, we got that kind of Christmas, shouldn't our kids have it too? And, and, and all that stuff. And then sort of also like, well, actually I, I believe that this is not like about us in that way at all. Like we're, that we make Christmas about ourselves and these gifts and these traditions rather than the greatest story ever told. Uh, right. And so there's sort of this, this dance between these two things. And so all these questions surface and bubble up, uh, in the midst of that sort of like, does this make sense when I'm like, what I'm saying? Yeah. So I think what I'm hearing is there's basically these two narratives. There's the, there's the cultural narrative, which we swim in. We don't even think about it. It's just the air we breathe. And then there's sort of like the over, I think for many people, for many Christians, the Christian narrative is overlaid on that. So um, for, you know, there could be some people out there who grew up with Jesus's birth being the center of Christmas. However, if you're like me and like a lot of people, you may have been told by your parents, Jesus is the center of Christmas, but you know, you know because of practices, what Christmas is about. Christmas is about breakfast on Christmas morning. It's about uh, gifts. It's about like the one time of year that you basically are going to get all the things that you want. All your, the hopes and dreams of all your years come true, right? And, um, and Jesus is like, oh, but remember, Jesus is the center of this. And it's like, it's said maybe, but it's not, that's actually not what we practice. And so there's sort of a disconnect between what we say we're practicing and what we are practicing. And if I could add my two cents, it would be like, the reason for this, I think one of the root reasons for this is because we don't know how to enter the season of Advent. We don't know how to feast and we don't know how to celebrate because we haven't fasted and we haven't been in a season of longing and and really complaining. Um, this is what I talked about in my sermon on Sunday. I don't think you were in there. You were with the kids, but about um, how the prophets are just 
in the Psalms, there's so many complaints. Like, God, this is your job to fix these problems in our world. Like, all of these bad things are happening. Where are you? Come, come. Uh, the passage for this last Sunday, tear open the heavens and come down. I mean, graphic imagery, desiring God's coming. And immediately that Isaiah 64 passage turns to this confession of sin. Like, we are not worthy for you to come. Like, what happens if you do come? It's like this longing, this hope that God will come and solve all our problems. But, and simultaneously, this feeling of inadequacy to receive God among us. This this uh, the lack of worthiness that we have actually sinned, that we have done things that aren't right. And I challenged our congregation to think about what, you know, what would we immediately start confessing if we knew God was coming among us? How would our lives change if we knew God was going to tear open the heavens and come down? And I think that that's a good posture to have around the season of Advent, because until we enter in a, into a season of longing and hopeful darkness, <laughs> where the hope, the love, the joy, and the peace that we light candles for at Advent is actually not true, sort of ironic. It's what we hope for in faith, but not the reality as we see in sight. And so then the season of Christmas can become the season of celebration and feasting. Um, so um, thinking about, um, I think that's a really good thing to to sort of, um, you know, contextualize Christmas. I think uh, I think that is important that often we just go and go straight to the celebration and the feasting, and there and it's and it's missing the context of how we got here, um, and so. So are you saying that no one should have breakfast and open presents on on Christmas or are you are you saying that we're we're just we're missing have we done have we done the work to have breakfast and open presents on Christmas? Well, I think for mo- for a lot of people um in our culture, Christmas starts the day after Thanksgiving ends and Christmas ends the day that Christmas starts. And so our seasons are off. And so we celebrate Christmas from November, the last day of November, all the way to December 25th, and then Dece- and then Christmas is over. That's the kind of the cultural rhythm. And in order to enter into Advent, you have to you have to be countercultural. You have to sort of reject that that rhythm. And you know, we kind of joke with our kids like, uh, "Oh, it's after Thanksgiving. We can't we can't listen to that that radio station because they're playing only Christmas music, and it's not Christmas yet." And, you know, we talk with them about when we go in the store and there's all these Christmas trees up in, in October now. And we're like, it's not even Advent yet. How do you have Christmas trees, you know? Um, and there's sort of, there's a very strong countercultural vibe. And I don't think that means you have to say no to everything around Christmas. But I do think that you have to do the work to critically think about, particularly if you have kids, but because you have more responsibility, but even if you don't, what is your practices and traditions around Christmas doing for your spirit, for your relationship with God, 
And if Christmas isn't a thing that is like a discipling season for you, if Advent isn't making you a better disciple of Jesus, then, I mean, we might as well just throw it out as the pagan holiday that it basically is in America. It is a pagan worship ceremony to the gods of behemoth corporations who want to sell us the goods of the earth for cheap prices um, to make as much money as possible and to put us into debt as the only way to limit that. Yeah. I mean, I I definitely concur with what you're saying. And I think that there is, uh, you know, there's, there's a lot there. And I honestly think that that's probably a layer beneath where, you know, even if all that's occurring, it's not necessarily where people are coming from or where they're they're seeing. And I think I think part of the problem is that we haven't been given like a good alternative narrative uh, of of how to do anything differently. And um, you know, if I'm you know if I say that I want to shop and and find gifts, you know, for people who I love during the holidays, right? I'm trying to do this as an expression of love for people that um yeah you know that i love and so like i'm i want to get them something that's going to make them happy because i love them uh but sort of behind this is well this is a cultural expectation that we've you know if we're honest we've and i say we in culture and tradition and history at this point has placed upon this uh sacred holiday that's supposed to be about the the living uh, Jesus Christ on earth. And, um, and so I think that's the part that really doesn't fit. And I think that we're talking about like, what does it mean to change that narrative? But, uh, and so not to like demonize people who give gifts or, or, and that sort of thing. Uh, but to say like, how is this an expression of the narrative that, that I want to, to say that this is about. And so I think that there is, there is still some gray area there, you know, and, we don't, we don't give, we like, we, we celebrate the 12 days of Christmas. Uh, a lot of people think the 12 days of Christmas are, are like somewhere within the days leading up to, uh, Christmas day on the 25th. But obviously that's, that's Advent. That's the season anticipation. And actually in the Christian calendar, the 12 days of Christmas are the 12 days beginning on Christmas day on the 25th and goes all the way to January 6th, which is epiphany anyway. So we, we actually have like bags that hang in our house. Uh, there's 12 of them and they, the kids open one, uh, every single day and of, of Christmas and, and it tells them what we're going to be doing that day. Now, some days is less, some days is more, some days we're doing puzzles. Uh, admittedly, like sometimes there is like maybe a gift or something that they get, uh, on one of those days, you know, maybe like a game or, or something that we, that creates another experience for us. But by and large, we're sort of like, ironically, we do like a ton, I think, compared to some of the other people, you know, maybe we know on Christmas with and for our kids, but we don't like give gifts in their traditional way. And we, we generally don't have like things that we're opening on Christmas day. And, and, um, you know, inevitably every time we go anywhere for the next two weeks after December 25th, there's people like, Hey, what did you, what did Santa bring you little girl? And it's like, I literally hate it. But our kids are just like, kids are like very well versed in answering this question now at this point, because yeah. they get asked it so much. So our kids are 10 and seven. 
And so for years now, they've been asked this question. So we've never done Christmas gifts on in a traditional way. And in a traditional way, I mean, we don't give Christmas gifts on Christmas Day. Um, and then like Caleb said, we we might do a gift here or there, but it's usually small, secondhand, and during one of the days of Christmas. Um, and so the girls are like, well, we actually don't get Christmas gifts. And you would think you if you if you put one plus one equals two, you know, one is um gifts make us happy. Two is getting the gifts you want makes a good Christmas, or one plus one equals two equals good Christmas. You think our kids uh, you know, thought that we hated them because we don't give them Christmas gifts don't allow anyone else to give them Christmas gifts, including their grandparents or other family members. Uh, but no, they're just like, actually, like, we don't do Christmas gifts. Uh, we have the 12 days of Christmas. And every day we get to open a bag and there's this different thing in the bag. And it's something we do together as a family uh, for 12 days. And like you said, it's like a, a lot more commitment than buying your kids like it's a lot of work work and we're like on christmas eve often like cutting out these little pictures you know because up until this point our our seven-year-old was not like the best reader now she's getting into it but you so you have to have pictures to say what you're doing and um yeah if you know and you have to figure out the whole calendar um around the next two weeks and you basically have to take off work so we basically don't work between kind of like a big two-week party but yeah. Uh, yeah, but when you tell people that and the kids respond, yeah, it's either with like incredible pity of like, oh, these poor children. <laughs> so wh- one of the things that we do, like actually every year on Christmas morning, we actually go like and have breakfast at Waffle House. <laughs> and, you know, and you're just the, like, uh, you know, the people at Waffle House on Christmas morning, you know, it's like nicest people. I'll tell you what, this little this I mean, this old man, he was like just giving them like $10 bills, you know, <laughs> Something like if we went to Waffle House every week, it really wouldn't be that special, right, to go on Christmas morning. But the thing is, yeah. is we never go to Waffle House. We go right. Waffle House one day a year yeah. and it's Christmas morning. And it's kind of what we found works. It's like the only restaurant open on Christmas morning. And you may be saying, well, you're making people work. And I'm saying they're already working. Waffle House, unless like a terrorist attack has shut down the city, Waffle House will be open. That's actually how they measure some forms of terrorism and like natural disasters, whether or not Waffle House have closed or not. And so my choice in this is not going to affect whether Waffle House is open or closed. So I don't have to make breakfast. I can tip my waiter or waitress super well and make uh, them have a better day. (laughs) I was selling the rest. Yeah, you're really selling it. Okay. My point is, is that it wouldn't be special. Like, we've chosen this as an experience. Right. It's several markers. It's not yeah. just one marker. It's also yeah. about doing less. Right. Yeah. Our, our, we, yeah, we generally don't eat out a lot and, and things like that. You know. Anyway, but I was thinking about just, um, yeah. So recently I went to Ross and the department store, which I, never hardly ever go to uh and of course in like real smooth fashion i decide i'm gonna drop in there in december which uh uh, you know let me just say i am not saying this in a way in which i'm condemning folks for 
uh, you know, or judging folks for shopping at Ross. But but I, I, I walked in just long enough to see the checkout line. And I was like, nope, <laughs> nope. You know, I mean, there were rows of buggies just full of, I mean, kind of just junk. I mean, it's just kind of like, I mean, that's kind of like Ross, you know, but it's like these cheap plastic toys and just gadgets and gizmos and this this knickknacks of clothing and it's like you know which is one thing in itself but it's a whole other thing as buggy after buggy like comes through this checkout line in the name of like celebrating christmas and the whole site just made me honestly just kind of really sad and it, and it made me sad for all those people who were waiting in that long line and spending all that money but it made me feel sad because it's just like it just made me feel like you know, man, we're all just kind of trapped, you know, like trapped in this narrative that says you have to do this or like that, that there, that there's, there's, you know, like, like all of this cultural or familial expectation that we've just kind of put on ourselves and, and allowed marketing to put on us, you know? And so what would it mean to, to alter that narrative, I think, around the holidays is, I think, a powerful and hopeful thing to think about. Yeah. So can we actually, let's let's get a little bit practical because I feel like we haven't talked very practically and I am very practical. So that's what I care about. It's like the practices. So let's, talk, let's talk practices. Okay. So our family um well first of all we started with the no gift single when the kids were born right which i think is important i think it is harder to start midway because you're managing i mean everyone's experience uh, uh, you know learning this is learned from hosting airbnb for so long whether or not someone has a good experience has to do with what expectations are set up for them um and if and if the experience meets their expectations they have a good experience but if the experience does not meet their expectations then they don't well, if you set up the expectations from day one with your kids and with grandparents, um, we're not doing Christmas gifts. It goes, which is no small feat. It's not a small. It's hard at first, but it pays dividends in the long run. Um, and you know, boundaries. Boundaries. We worked. We worked pretty hard. I mean, there's there's been some pretty tense moments around gift giving. And, and I think particularly for grandparents, it can be difficult because they don't get it. They don't understand. Well, my experience is that grandparents don't generally understand why you want to do anything different. And it becomes like a critique of your childhood or something. Like, why was it so bad for you to get Christmas gifts when you were a child? Yeah, I think that's important to recognize is that like that's not at all like like very fond memories of my childhood Christmas, like very totally. fond memories, you know, um, but that, uh, you know, the trajectory, which is uh, human uh, gr growth and maturity and evolution over time is that we're, you know, we believe, uh, you know, that we're working to do, continue to do things better, you know, and that we wear seatbelts now and, uh, you know, do all sorts of things that we didn't do in the eighties. Um, you know, this is just a, an example. Yeah, I don't know but, if it's a great comparison to say, like, not doing Christmas gifts is, like, is too wearing seatbelts. No, no, I'm just saying, like, there was a re... At one point, like, so at one point, generations ago, 
uh, you know, I was literally at uh, Chirica Towers yesterday talking with an older gentleman about, and he was telling me about his childhood Christmas and how, uh, you know, he had this one wrapped package, like this homemade train or whatever it was. And like mm-hmm. uh, the joy, you know, like at one point, like that was it. And it made a lot more sense. Yeah. One, you know, but like to today, uh, it generally reflects nothing of, uh, you know, like the kinds of like, I mean, we're not wealthy by any means, but I can't think of a single thing that our kids need, honestly, uh, you know, toy or otherwise, for the most part. Yeah, we're all we're all wealthy beyond measure when you consider the world and generations before us um, as far as stuff goes. Now, as far as time goes, we're very poor. And I think that that is, you know, that's why the way we do Christmas is harder because it is a, a big time commitment. And so, sorry. You were- so practically grandparents and kids, you know, setting up expectations for what this is going to look like um, is really important early on. Um, but what we do is we celebrate Advent by doing an Advent calendar, which we make together as a practice with our congregation every year on the first Sunday of Advent has different things, uh, sometimes candy, sometimes challenges of like helping a neighbor, giving something to your meal person or, you know, whatever, whatever the thing is that you want to, how you want to spend your Advent preparing for this Christmas season, kind of with the focus that I already have discussed. Um, and that is a way that we get ready. Another way we get ready is we have an Advent storybook that we read through with the kids. Um, now, this is probably your kids need to be maybe six or seven to be able to do this, but one of them is called Jotham's Journey. Another is Bartholomew's Passage. There's like four or five different ones um, that you can read through that actually follow the calendar from Advent through Advent. And that pretty engaging and kind of cliffhangers. Sometimes we skip the theological reflection at the end because they're a little bit more, uh, they're not quite the theological lens I want to look at it through with our kids, but they're not bad. Um, so, but that's that's one thing we do that really helps the kids anticipate it because it's these kids that are having these experiences in ancient Israel as they await the Messiah. And it's these challenges they overcome and that on Christmas morning, they end up getting to witness the birth of this child. So it's a pretty cool and powerful story. Um, and then... Practically, we just do a really big increase in decor in our house on Christmas Day. So we do start to get out Christmas decorations. And even on the way to school this morning, it was kind of a funny conversation. Uh, and this is what I'm kind of talking about, about is your experience of Advent making you a disciple of Jesus. And daily, our seven-year-old daughter was like, why do we decorate for Christmas? And without a beat story our 10 year old daughter responds to her and says it's kind of like decorating for jesus's birthday party and uh so it's just kind of like such a good little exchange to kind of see that this is this is working through them like what is it what is christmas about oh it's about jesus's birth and so decorating for christmas is decorating for jesus's birthday party and then they said uh but then story asked me but why do we have a Christmas tree? Like, what is that about? And I was like, ah, oh, I was like, I can answer that. Yeah. 
best thing I could come up with in the moment was I was like, you know, sometimes we decorate our house with flowers. She's like a big flower, don't you? <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Specialize in playlists. Big flower. Your fake yeah. flower. The memory is fine. Yeah. So anyway, there's just a big increase in decor on Christmas morning. Um, and then the other practical thing we do, and I'm going to even do it way more this year. You don't even know yet, but I have had pieces coming. I have outlined this whole uh, experiential journey for our nativity set. So um, we don't have the nativity set that comes out the day after Thanksgiving and Jesus is already born. We actually have a pregnant figure that journeys uh, with the donkey and Joseph to Bethlehem. But this year it's even going to be better because we're going to have scenes of Gabriel's annunciation to Mary. We're going to have Mary who goes and visits Elizabeth and John the Baptist jumps in her womb. Uh, we're going to have uh, the journey of Mary telling Joseph that she's pregnant, and then Gabriel actually has to come to Joseph. So we're going to have all of these th scenes are happening. played out in our house. Every single day of Advent, it's going to be a different scene. It's kind of like Elf on the Shelf, but really Christian. And so a different scene is going to be played out with these characters that we have. And so Jesus is not born until Christmas morning. Mm. And even when we get to Christmas morning, that's when the... That's when the Magi start their journey. So they don't arrive till January 6th. So our, mm. our manger scene is telling the story of, of our anticipation of this like pregnant waiting. Mm. From the first day of Advent, you know, yeah. Jesus is born on Christmas. And then on Epiphany, that's when the Magi arrive. I think part of the higher level thing that I think is worth acknowledging here is that what we're talking about... Uh, is really decentralized from December 25th. And I think, uh, you know, when we're talking about Christmas, we're talking about uh, truly this season stretching across, uh, you know, the beginning of Advent all the way to Epiphany. And, think, and I think that's a helpful way to sort of think about the narrative as well, is like, how can we uh, embody this story over over this period of time and journey on this story uh uh you know in our hearts but also practically in our hands and our lives and you know and there's lots of different ways and i think that's sort of a takeaway that i'm getting here is like really we're only limited by our creativity and our imaginations and i hope that this episode sparks some imagination for people to uh get creative right and and this isn't just something obviously for people with kids to to reconfigure and calibrate, but like, but for all of us. So anything else practical that we do that would be helpful for your? Yeah, I mean, I think honestly, there are lots of things and and now I'm kind of like, I'm tempted to just say like, if people have like specific questions, maybe this can be turned into, uh, you know, something we write up or a, a part two. Because I have a feeling that there are a lot of practical questions left for listeners uh, around this, you know, and and uh, and maybe how we do the twelve days of Christmas and what that looks like. And I'm I'm just pulling up a note on my phone because we uh, in early December, Emily and I start collaborating on a shared note around what we're going to do for this year's twelve days of Christmas, you know, and and sometimes it involve it, you know, sometimes it does involve a lot of like going and. 
uh, doing the the zoo or a craft day or uh, you know maybe skating or uh, you know swimming or going somewhere. I mean, for us, we live in Nashville, so there's all sorts of things to do and a lot of Nashville things that we actually never do, even though we live here, but everyone comes to Nashville to do these things. But it could just also mean just sort of like something small and something special, like in a family, in a family time or, yeah, no, like we have some video game systems that we hardly ever play, like have a day where you just cuddle up and play video games or, uh, you know, or practice, uh, practice like donating and cleaning out a closet one day, like, yeah. Um, you know, and there's usually sort of a day that we go out and serve or pick up trash in our neighborhood. Uh, we usually do every year. Uh, sometimes we have a sleepover with friends. <laughs> so can I, can I just add something here that's very practical, which is that it doesn't usually make it on our list, but like one of the things that's kind of on my list of things to do in this time is to actually rent a carpet cleaner and clean our carpets. And I know that that's a goofy thing to mention, but it brings you joy. It does bring me joy to have clean carpets. And, and you know, we can make this super theological and say, like, there is something about the birth of Jesus that is like a reset for us. It's like mm -hmm. a, a refresh, a reset. Like, the carpets are the same. They're different. Mm -hmm. They change. And there's a there's a uh, an experience of, uh, I think there's a cultural experience of relief when Christmas is over. But I really look forward to the days of Christmas because it is like an opportunity for me to spend time with my kids that I don't get to do during the previous months while they're in school. They're out of school during this whole season. It is an opportunity to do things like clean my carpets that really weigh on me. And, it, you know, it, it, they, I have more time. I have more space to do what is important for me. Um and that is connecting with my family and that is making my environment a welcoming space for all of us and that it, it in, include it's it's holistic and i think that's what we need to think about when we think about christmas what is if jesus is coming is good news what does that mean mm. and how does that how is that reflected in our lives you know and when I think the other side of that is we have to look at who it was made it to Jesus's birth. Who did the angels announce Jesus's birth to? Mm. It was these people who, it was like, it was not like the religious leaders. It's like the common shepherd. Mm. And yeah. the star that appeared called who? Not, the, not a Jewish king. But a foreign king and there's just this it's like there as a witness for whomever yeah is this at all reflective of what your christmas looks like yeah no yeah like is it an open invitation for like god to appear mm. well I, I how about i how about we do this i don't know how you want to end this but what if I ask you what one of your favorite experiences of Christmas was as a family since we've been doing this different? And then you ask me that. Do you want to do that? Why don't you ask me first? Because I have mine. Okay. What's what's your favorite? <laughs> so this one year, uh, on it was I think it was on Christmas Day. It was either on Christmas Day or Christmas Eve. We I think it was Christmas Eve actually. 
we went to Green Street Church of Christ, and I don't know if you remember this, and a friend of ours was running this this burrito ministry where she would um, make burritos for for neighbors experiencing homelessness and 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 go and hand them out. She knew all all the people, and it was just a really cool thing to be able to be a part of. And so we went and volunteered and made burritos and things. Um, but it was at this uh, church, Green Street Church of Christ, who uh, for decades now has has uh, become a temporary residence for neighbors experiencing homelessness. They've built tiny houses on the property, and uh, they have somewhat of a camp with roles and things and they've built bathrooms and um just like this haven for people who don't have another place to go and we went and we made burritos and then during the course of the meal i met this woman and we were relatively new to green street at the time and i was like i'm really interested in how this works and like what are the tiny houses like and she's like oh well actually if you want to you can come see my house and i was like what she was like, yeah, come come when we're done, like come around and come see it. And so after dinner, we went and followed her. And it's this this woman who was experiencing homelessness who welcomed us on Christmas Eve into her humble, it didn't even have heat. It had a single cot. And I mean, she couldn't offer us a single thing except for welcome into her door. And it was like this beautiful experience of knowing what it must have been like on the real Christmas Eve to have nowhere to be and yet to be welcomed in to something that was so humble, so rugged, but to be so thankful just to have a place to be and people to share it with. And I feel like to me, that was like probably my favorite Christmas experience of all time was being welcomed into this woman's home and her hosting us. We often get so caught up with hosting on Christmas that we miss that we are actually the guests of the feast. Mm-hmm. Man, so good. <laughs> no, I totally can't share after that because it's just it's just like total total shallow. Because all I was thinking about, it, I was like, man, I love having friends over and, and like having charcuterie and and playing improv games. Well, you know, so good. So my mind. I'm like blocks of cheese. It's a fudge from the monks and all kinds of cheeses. Yes, all of the above. Yeah, yeah, no, and I think that's that's the importantness. Like, inhale, exhale, uh, givers and receivers. And if you can't do both of those well, you're 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 missing the whole. And I think, uh, yeah. So, thanks for sharing that. I'm. Uh, we've. Uh, yeah. I really love the ground we've covered here, even though I feel like we could go on and on. So thank you for uh, joining me in this episode and tackling some of these hard quick Christmas uh, inquiries. Yeah, find me find me on, on the internet if you want to talk more. I'm happy to talk with anyone who has more practical questions. Find her on the internet. You heard it here. We'll put some things in the show notes for you guys to follow Emily and her work. And this will not be our only chat for sure. So... All right. Love you. Bye. Love you. Bye. So may your advent be full of the hope, peace, joy, and love of God as we approach Christmas. 
Leave us a review and a star rating. And if you have more holiday questions, shoot a message. Let's chat.